Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen. Daily, we bring you insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg. This is a joy. I will tell you that on a Black Friday, and with the spirit that is New York City retailing, to have Pim Fox, who grew up in the heart of it, truly is the most New Yorker. New, I mean, we have 19,000 people, and you're the most New Yorker person I know. Your mother's a claim checker cab on Fifth <laughs> Avenue years well, ago. Well, yes, I do and remember when there was nothing, that the Trump Tower was not the Trump Tower. Exactly. It was, it was you a have department a co- store. You have yes. a collective memory. Yes, Bring in our dear. guest All who right. knows only. He knows he's more. the only one who knows more than you well, that, about that's why Well, that's why he's at the, in, in that location. Howard Davidovitz, of course, of Davidovitz & Associate. He's the founder and the chairman, a, a veteran of the retail industry. And Howard, always a pleasure. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And you know what I'm, I'm speaking of. Right, I mean, the Trump Tower was on the land that was originally, I believe, it was a besting company. Bonwit, and then you had Bonwit Teller and a variety. But having said all this, I want to ask you about something having to do with a company whose name we know, Lord and Taylor, owned by Hudson Bay, right, right the Canadian retail giant. Right. And recently, there were the big headlines that Walmart is really upping its game by having Lord and Taylor merchandise on their website. And this is supposed to be an upscale fashion forward event. I know I'm not the prime audience for whatever Lord and Taylor is going to sell. But having said that, I just never thought of Lord and Taylor as the exciting fashion forward uh, kind of retailer. And so I'm curious, why would Walmart do this rather than even going close to home? Because when I think of fashion forward, I look to people like Mark Zuckerberg and I think, gee, he's wearing that hoodie. Who made that hoodie? Well, it happens to have been made in Middlesex, North Carolina by a company called American Giant. So there, I've laid it out for you. What is your What are your thoughts? Well, I think every time there's an obituary, Lord and Taylor loses a customer. I mean, that's who they are. It's a failed business. Uh, again, all part of the department store sector, which is a catastrophe. And Lord and Taylor is a piece of that. They are in the very weak part of that. Now, the guy that owns Lord and Taylor, Baker, is a brilliant real estate guy. I mean, he bought Saks for $2.2 billion. It's unbelievable. One Saks store on Fifth Avenue is worth $3.5 billion. Now, either the Saks management were a bunch of total morons or Baker is a genius, but something went wrong selling the company for $2.2 billion to Baker. The genius, what he did in Canada was unbelievable. Hudson's Bay, he sold that real estate to Target for a fortune. A fortune. And then Target pulled out and of Canada. And then Target liquidated and all the stores are empty and Baker has got the money. Now, this guy is what I call a real estate operator. A zip. Now, as a retailer, not so good. And Walmart in fashion, if you're naked, you got to stay naked, you go to Walmart because they cover you up. That is the extent of Walmart's fashion efforts. So, it's so a I mean, that's I it. Shop. That's what they do. <laughs> that is the extent of their efforts. Anytime they <clears throat> try to step out of that, they've gotten destroyed. They've done it three or four times. They remodeled the apparel sector, new fixtures, rugs, whatever they So, do. why do it? Because you have to do something? 
I don't know why they did it. They've got a very aggressive guy in, ter- in, in, in charge of this whole thing. He's spending billions. They got Walmart Labs. They've acquired 19 companies. They're Bonobos going, is just one Nobos example. Bonobos is one of They're going bananas. They're buying everybody. They've got to do something about Amazon. So they're doing everything. How is it all going to come out? I have a lot of doubts that the Walmart culture can make this work. A lot of doubts. The decision on Lord & Taylor is similar to buying Jetcom for $3.3 billion, a one-year-old company losing money, $3.3 billion. You wish you had two of those businesses to sell to Walmart, exactly. don't you? Exactly. So I don't know about what they're doing. All right, but you mentioned the purchase of Saks Fifth Avenue being a smart real estate move. Brilliant. Okay, but if you can't do anything else with that real estate, if it's locked in to be a store— What's the difference, what the price is? It's not locked in to be a store. Okay. That's the point. It's not. It could be it, it, it could be a, just what Lord & Taylor did with their store on Fifth Avenue. Multi-use. It could be a condo. It could be a combination of a condo and a hotel and an office and a smaller sack store, which would make a lot of sense. You do bowling in sacks. The store's way too big. Just like the Lord and Taylor, well, just like all the stories. It's Black Friday, and I'm so honored to have Pim Fox here with our Davidovitz. Right now, uh, to bring in a man I've really wanted to speak to, Grover Norquist. Uh, a lot of people will say he has one message. I found his, over the year, he's been awfully nuanced about his thoughts on tax receipts, the money coming in. He joins us now on Tax Cuts. Grover, I, I, I looked at the, the, the news flow and the analysis flow over the weekend. I could not find one single removed person who liked the Senate bill. Do you find any value to the Senate legislation? Well, the good news is that the Senate bill will likely pass um, next year, uh, next uh, week, end of the week, uh, and that it'll go into conference with the House bill. Uh, the Senate bill is like the House bill on taking the corporate rate to 20 percent, but it delays it a year. I tend yeah. to think that we'll go with the House without the delay. But at the end of the day, if you look out 20 years, going to 20 percent permanently uh, now or a year from now, we're pretty close to the same thing. Uh, so there's, there's not a lot of difference. Sometimes the Senate will pass one bill and the House will pass another bill and they are on different planets. Well, one is. But these are easily conferenceable. OK, they're easily conferenceable. Are you going to have to change the name of your shop, Americans for Tax Reform, are you going to have to change it to Americans for tax cuts? Well, we've always been for lower taxes as part of tax reform. But even though they're doing a tremendous amount of things here in terms of lowering rates uh, and dealing with uh, pass-through companies, which corporations which we've not worked on in the past, we're taking the corporate rate down to make us modestly competitive with the rest of the world. 20% instead of 35. China's at 25, for crying out loud. Uh, England's at 15. Uh, Ireland's at 12 and a half. Uh, repatriation, allowing people to bring 
American companies to bring to bring their money back uh, without being double taxed. Uh, getting rid of the tax deductibility of state and local taxes, which is a massive subsidy for incompetent mayors uh, and governors who don't keep their tax rates yeah, but, down. Uh, and well, I mean, Pim Fox, jump wait, in wait, here wait, because wait, uh, yeah. every article I read this weekend. Tore yeah. this legislation to shreds, Pim. Well, what I what I don't understand, you, you kind of you're you're offering kind of a pejorative about uh, states that tax their citizens, but much of that tax money ends up going to the federal government that gets, then gets redistributed to states that don't have either a high tax rate or uh, don't have any income tax at all. So uh, it's either a United States or it's a disunited States when it comes to taxes. Why, why do you make that distinction? Well, what we have is uh, there, there are two issues here. One is the federal uh, taxes. And you're right. It's interesting that New York senators and California senators vote very high federal tax rates on businesses and high income earners. And much of that money gets shipped out to uh, red, red states. Um, to states with a lot of, of, of welfare recipients. Uh, so that's very generous of them, but they've decided to do that. Uh, however, uh, at the state level, uh, you see California with uh, income tax rates, in the state income tax rates over 10%, New York with high <clears throat> state income tax rates, Minnesota, Hawaii, New Jersey. Uh, there was a wonderful article in Politico where they went and quoted the head of the state Senate in New Jersey, who said our number one goal was going to be a millionaire's tax, and now that, that they're going to get rid of the tax deductibility of state and local, we're not going to do that. It changes everything. Well, so if you live in a, in a blue state with high income taxes, right. the best thing that's going to happen to you for the next 50 years is the downward pressure on high income tax rates. I mean, I, Grover, what I find stunning here is the number of people calculated to see their tax bill go up. Do you have an optimum number, a percent of people that should have their tax bill go up to get corporate tax reform? Uh, optimum number is zero. And the corporate side pays for itself and the individual side. Okay, These I know, but separate. come on. Every article, I, I must have read 10 articles this yeah. weekend without kidding. And and it's it's. It's 10%, 15%, 30% of Americans are going to see increased taxes off of some proposals. Do you buy that? Um, No, and I'll tell you the tricks that they use uh, to get those numbers. Uh, First of all, uh, a number of the tax cuts are technically temporary, so they only last 10 years or 8 years. Why did... Why did the Republicans in the House and Senate decide that certain taxes would be permanent because they're paid for with other offsets and others are uh, end at uh, eight years, 10 years? And that's why they'll say this is a tax increase in 2027, 2027. What's that? That's the end of the 10 year window. uh, And a number of the tax deductions, credits, lower, lower rates end that year. They pick the ones that will never end. Remember when the Republicans under uh, Bush yeah. had a 10-year tax cut, and Obama made 85% of that permanent because he had to. The faster depreciation going so to you're just, but, but you're just assuming that the temporary tax cuts of a decade-ish will be made permanent. More than assuming. I've talked to the Republican leadership. They don't expect to wait until we get there 
to make those permanent. There will be a series of tax reforms, tax cuts going out into the um, future, and those will be made permanent as we move forward long before we get to year 10. So, and you, our friends on the left say, that's not fair. This is a bigger tax cut than the Republicans are saying because they know darn well that some of the ending of certain tax cuts, like they, the House bill has full business expensing, full and immediate business expensing, rather than long depreciation schedules, for five years. And everyone knows that that's going to be permanent. So they're, they're misstating when they say the tax cut's only $1.5 trillion. It's actually more like four or some, some larger number. And the answer is, yeah, you're right. We had to fit it into your box. It was your stupid box. We didn't want to have a box that size. You made up imaginary rules. We're playing by your imaginary rules. And by the way, these will yeah, be but I, permanent. I, but I still don't understand exactly how if people's if you're going to take literally you're going to be taking money away from people that would obviously spend it. How does that square with the idea to put more money in the pockets of consumers? I mean, that's just a fact. That's just what's going to happen. I mean, forget 10 years. No one knows what's going to happen in 10 years. How about over the next 10 months? Well, over the next next 10 years, every income group will see a significant reduction in their taxes and in their tax rates. So that's what what people are trying to do is cherry pick somebody with a very – Interesting collection of deductions and credits and how they. Yeah, we do that too. No, but but Grover, we do that every day with John Tucker. We cherry pick John Tucker is representative of someone who's going to see his taxes go up thirty two percent. We got to come back, Grover Norquist, with us, and we're getting a huge amount of mail uh, with Mr. Norquist on because you know I'll be honest, Pim. A lot of people, they respect his persistence on doing what everybody wants, which is lower taxes. But how do you get there? Because I haven't seen it over the last 10 years of you. I, no, and I'm still waiting for the empirical evidence which ties corporate yeah. tax cuts to greater no. economic growth. Should we get him going? I want to come back and talk to Grover Norquist about a Paul Krugman chart. Ooh. That'll get Grover Ooh. Norquist. That'll ruin his Thanksgiving, <laughs> his post-Thanksgiving. You won't be touching that. Grover Norquist uh, with us, folks, of course, from the Americans for Tax Reform. Always controversial. Thrilled he could be with us. Uh, and it is a glorious, beautiful, perfect day here in New York City, less so in Egypt. Here's the write-through from Dana Karachi and Ahmed Khalil Al-Sayed out of our Cairo uh, Bureau. At least 155 killed. This is in a bombing in a mosque to the northeast of Cairo, up on the Mediterranean, towards the Gaza Strip. Uh, 120 others wounded. Uh, militants in four vehicles drove up to uh, the mosque. They set off a explosive device, and then uh, the guns on the carnage uh, began. This is a story that is uh, moving at light speed. By no means is that an accurate count, and we'll go from there. We are privileged to have with us uh, Lynn Noyed, uh, our Cairo Bureau Chief. She's out of Bristol and out of the American University at Beirut and has a terrific perspective on the Middle East. Lynn that it's not an everyday occurrence, but it is safe to say that Mr. El Sisi does not have control of the security of Egypt when you look month to month and quarter to quarter back. There seems to be an endless sequence of these tragic events. 
Um, yes. Um, this is a particularly large attack. I mean, in, in terms of the number of people killed, 155 in a single attack, I can't remember the last time that many people were killed, you know, in one incident. Mm -hmm. um, so in, in terms of scale, this is an unusual and it's worrying. Right. Um, in terms of uh, the place where the attack has taken place, um, it, it, it northern Sinai, yes, the government has been, government forces have been um, fighting an insurgency there for years. Um, attacks are common. Um, small, smaller scale attacks right. happen, you know, very often. Mostly they target security forces. Um, um, but we have seen, like at Easter um, and um, at Christmas in December of last right. year, big attacks on churches, which again were a major departure from the kinds of attacks we've well, seen before. So I think what's really changed is who, who are the targets? You know, no longer just security forces, ordinary people worshipping in churches and mosques. The, 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 the mythology of Egypt that so many of our listeners in America have is Lawrence of Arabia. And there's a scene where Lawrence goes across the Sinai and hits the Suez Canal, and it makes for great movies and great drama. Tell mm -hmm. us about the tourist industry that's been destroyed. Um, yeah, so... Um Yep. Sinai, you know, used to be a, a huge tourist destination um, for Egypt. Um, it's got amazing Red Sea uh, diving resorts and seaside resorts along the northern coast, uh, beautiful Mediterranean coastline, um, 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 Mount Catherine, where there's a monastery at the top of the mountain, was a great place that people used to love to mm -hmm. visit. Um, and uh, that's mostly been... Um, you know, decimated um, by uh, the attack that brought down a Russian um, passenger plane in late 2015, and 224 people were killed in that um, in that incident. Um, and since then, the government has been trying to um, attract tourists back, um, trying to you know show that it's got the security situation under control, so that you know people will come back um, because tourism was very important um, for the Egyptian economy. However, I think an attack like this, um, even though it's quite far from where the resorts are, um, you know, you see a headline like this and, you know, that's going to put people off coming, coming to Egypt. So, 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 so that will set them back. L it Lynn, will set them back. Lynn, can I just ask you to be a little political for us for a moment here? Because mm -hmm. uh, earlier in the week, I believe it was on Tuesday, that the Lebanese mm -hmm. prime minister, uh, Saad Hariri, he met with the, the Egyptian president, Abdel Fattah mm -hmm. uh, al-Sisi, in uh, uh, Cyprus, I believe. And I'm wondering, you know, what has been going on with Hariri and Hezbollah in Lebanon, plus the Saudi visit. Uh, is there a reason why you believe this might have occurred at this particular time? Um, I don't think that, um, that those issues are linked, actually. Um, this attack, we believe... Um, uh, was on a mosque that's frequented by Sufi Muslims, and they belong to a kind of a mystical, they, they have a mystical interpretation of Islam. And Islamic State and groups like Islamic State are, are very opposed, um, 
you know, to those kinds of... They're, they're very rigid in their interpretation of Islam and they don't like people um, who, who view it differently and worship differently. Um, and um, so it looks at the moment like they... That, like the attack was focused or, or like that was the reason. That's, that's why... A domestic... That was so do, a purely domestic issue to a certain we, extent. Yes. I don't think it was an attack um, or it doesn't so far look like um, it's re- related to regional politics or to, or to CC's re- re- recent efforts to kind of play a mediating role in various conflicts uh, uh, around the Middle East. Um, and obviously the um, militants in North Sinai have attacked Sufi Muslims before, um, but um, they've attacked individuals, uh, they've executed yeah. individuals, they've attacked shrines, um, but they haven't carried out an attack on Can this you, scale. One more question, because I know you've got to get back to the, the leadership of covering this terrible story. Lynn, is this linked in any way to the other challenges of Cairo and particularly the tensions of the Muslim Brotherhood, or is it separate and discreet? Um, it's linked in some ways in, in, in the sense that um, the, the crackdown on the Muslim Brotherhood has been, uh, you know, very... I mean, there are thousands of people in jail. Uh, lots of people have been sentenced to death. Um, you know, the group's been outlawed. Many, many people in exile now. Um, and it's linked in the sense that um, some disaffected Muslim Brotherhood members um, may have kind of abandoned their, their commitment to peaceful politics mm-hmm. and kind of been encouraged to join uh, these more militant groups. In that sense, it, you know, there, there, there is a link. Um, but uh, they're not the same group. They're not, yeah. you know, they're not the same people. But, um, yeah, but there, are, there is certainly a sense among some, you know, particularly among younger people who would have uh, been Muslim Brotherhood members, um, that right. they have no option but to turn to violence. And, yeah. you know, some of them may then be more easily recruited by um, the more militant um, groups. Lynn, thank you so much. Lynn Noyad, uh, charge of our Cairo operation. Uh, joining us today, our North Africa Bureau Chief. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Subscribe and listen to interviews on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. I'm on Twitter at Tom Keen. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide on Bloomberg Radio.